This is the Employment Law Show. Well, welcome to Monday night. Uh, we're here just after uh, 6.30. John Scholes, Alex Lucifero is your guy from Sanfiru to marketemploymentlawyer.ca. Uh, joining us uh, for the next half hour, he's the smart guy. He's going to have all the answers to your questions as we get into the show. The main topic is going to be mistakes employers make because they just don't know any better. That is on the way. We'll try to get to some of your emails. Got a few of those kicking around. We got through a lot of those on the weekend, so we got some leftovers for you. You can always send stuff along to us and get a hold of Alex outside the uh, the half hour of the show all week, and that would be one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to reach Alex and his team. And again, help at employmentlawyer.ca and the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca built to make you smarter access to the severance calculator. And there's contact information uh, on pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. So Alex, uh, case of the day, pal, what do you got cooking? Hey, Johnny. Thanks very much as usual. Happy Monday evening to you. Great to be back live on, mm-hmm. uh, on the air talking employment law, talking workplace rights for employees, severance. Of course, is a subject we touch on all the time. We're here to take your questions, uh, tackle any problems our listeners have when it comes to their workplace and their workplace rights. Uh, and of course, we're live on air mm-hmm. until seven this evening. So, as you very well said, please feel free, feel free to give us a call uh, and get that employment question answered and solved. Uh, busy time, busy time of year for us, uh, John. It's not just people that uh, are losing their jobs that are contacting us. People call us and email us with all sorts of workplace situations, wanting to know if what their employer is doing is legal, if it's right, if it's fair, also what they can do about it, what options right. they have in the circumstances. And of course, that's great, John. We always encourage people to contact us, seek out that help, seek out that advice, uh, and you know, from an experienced professional. Uh, the more information, John, we say this all the time, but it continues to be true. It really does. The more information and knowledge you have as an employee, the more protected you're going to be in the workplace, the more prepared you are going to be if you're dealing with a change to your terms of employment or a termination or really any kind of workplace issue. You know, your job's where you spend the majority of your time, uh, the majority of your effort, of course, during the day. And so it's extremely important if you're having a problem at work, if you're dealing with a difficult work situation, maybe your employer is not treating you properly, maybe you're dealing with a colleague for that matter, maybe it's not even your employer necessarily, it's a colleague or another employee within the company, or certainly if you've been let go from your job. And you know, unfortunately, John, there's plenty of that going around, lots of employers restructuring, downsizing, etc. Listen, you're going to need help in a situation like that. You need advice from an employment lawyer. Uh, you know, it's an extremely serious matter. We have to resolve it. We have to get those employees what they're actually owed. And certainly what we see as employment lawyers day in and day out is that employees being offered severance from employers are being offered far less, far, far less than what they are actually owed when it comes to their severance entitlements. So for all of you listening this evening, if you're dealing with a difficult situation at work, if any of this is ringing a bell at all, listen, don't be shy. Do not be bashful. There are no bad questions when it comes to employment law. Or for that matter, if you know a friend or a family member or a colleague who's in a similar situation, make sure you give them the heads up. You might want to speak with an employment lawyer if you're dealing with a situation at work. Case in point, John, the reason why I mentioned that is actually the the very nice lady that I spoke to this afternoon. And Mm -hmm. speaking of, we're talking about the case of the day here. It's an opportunity to talk about a matter that came across my desk. The lady uh, that I spoke with earlier this afternoon, uh, John, was referred by uh, a friend of hers to our firm. Uh, 
um, and um, very nice um, older lady in her mid-60s. She's been with the employer for quite some time, 25 years, John, with the same employer. So long service employee. And I have to say, dealing with a very, very difficult situation. Uh, a couple of years ago, she was diagnosed with uh, with a very serious illness. She has been uh, receiving treatment for and kind of struggling with that illness for the past couple of years. And she's been on medical leave, John, for that long. So she hasn't been actively at work for the past couple of years on a medical leave of absence. Her doctors have ordered her off of work. She has been receiving disability insurance and her employer has been, as they should, holding their job for them, uh, for her. Until, uh, John, earlier uh, last week, when her employer sent uh, her a letter explaining that because she hadn't been back to work in two years' time, Mm -hmm. her employer was ending her employment and paying her a minimal amount of severance and leaving it at that and having her kind of move on with her life. Her employer took the position, and this is the legal term, John, that her employment had been frustrated. It's what we call a frustration of contract situation. It happens when uh, through neither fault of kind of the employee or the employer, the employment relationship simply isn't allowed to continue. So in some situations, John, where because of a health issue, where because of an illness or a disability, an employee cannot return back to work, the employment relationship is considered frustrated. That employee is owed some amount of severance, not her full severance entitlements, but a, an amount of severance. And that's where the relationship ends. Except, John, that frustration of contract situation occurs only when it is clear and obvious that the employee will never be able to return back to work again. And so if the employee is not able to return back, if it's very clear this, this employee is permanently disabled, uh, John, that would be a frustration of contract situation because we know for sure this employee is never coming back. Well, that wasn't this lady's case, uh, John. This lady is receiving treatment. It's been a couple of years for sure, but there is a chance and her doctors have been clear. Hey, she can't work right now, but there's a chance she might be able to come back in the future. And that is not a frustration of contract situation, uh, John. In other words, this employer, if I could use the expression, this employer pulled the trigger too quickly. It let her go on the basis of her disability too soon, right? And sooner than the law would have. And so this lady is potentially owed her job back in the circumstances. Uh, John, we might be able to actually get her job back, kind of undo the termination and keep her employment. Alternatively, uh, John, this lady, because she's a 25-year employee and in her mid-60s, and oh, by the way, she was in a management-level position during her time there, she is going to be looking at a hefty amount of A, severance. John, she's going to be owed as much as 24 months or two years as her severance entitlements. And B, because the employer terminated her employment too quickly and kind of pulled the trigger too quickly in, in assuming that she wouldn't be able to return back. She may even be owed additional compensation beyond her severance entitlement. So tricky situation, difficult situation. Of course, we're dealing with yeah. a serious illness here, but employers have to tread very, very carefully when dealing with those kinds of employees. This employer acted too quickly, and they're going to have to pay for it. Monday night edition, Employment Law Show continues. Hang in there. Alex Lucifero is your guy tonight. Anthony, thank you for hanging on for a couple minutes, man. How are you? I'll uh, yourself, guys. Good, sir. What's on your mind? Okay, I got, I'm calling on behalf of someone because he's too nervous to call in himself on the radio and uh, sure. talk to you guys. 
So I've got an issue here with a company, uh, and we're at the labor board right now, and uh, the chair, the second chair, has got to decide. It's for a reprisal, right? And uh, full blown reprisal. And and uh, my the lawyer at the time uh, left, and he's doing it on his own. And um, basically, uh, the lawyer, their lawyer, uh, the company's lawyer is saying that there was an agreement in place already. There was no document signed whatsoever. And they're saying there was a, an agreement between the both lawyers of the party. The the, the, the person that I'm calling on behalf, he was under duress. He suffered a, a, an accident, uh, a car accident with a drunk driver. He was in duress in the hospital and all that. He was not at the time any way, shape, or form whatsoever uh, to sign any documents, to go to oversee any documents and, and that. The offer, they're saying that the offer that he made to the company, uh, which they which they agreed to, it came with particulars, uh, so many particulars that uh, basically the lawyer, the lawyer then said that uh, it's good, but uh, you need to sign it. It's good. You won't get a better offer. But at that time, as I as I stated, he suffered an accident. Now this has been brought to the OLRB and. Uh, they made case law. They made references in case law, saying that the lawyer is 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 acting like an executor to the agreement, and 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 the agreement is a prelude to a contract. There was no no signatures. There was no dated signature. There was no witness to the signature. How is right. that possible? Yeah, it's an interesting question, uh, Anthony. So I mean, you know, step number one: uh, if there isn't anything in writing. That's not necessarily the end of the case then and there. This could be some sort of verbal agreement or verbal settlement. So a deal is a deal even if it's uh, communicated verbally, right? So keep that in mind. It's not as simple as simply, you know, as, as just saying, oh, nothing was signed, so there's no deal. No, actually, someone could be held to their word. So if someone, if an offer was made to an individual and that offer was then accepted even verbally, that that could be a contract that could be a deal i mean we see it in lots of different employment relationships right if you hire an employee even if there's no documentation if even if it's all verbal that's still an employment contract so to speak it's not an actual written contract but it's it's an agreement in principle now if there isn't anything in writing well then it is going to come down to what other evidence there is right so if your friend Right, is saying, no, I never signed anything, I never agreed to anything, whether he had a lawyer or not at the time, regardless, if that is his position and he is a credible witness, and this is where this is where credibility comes in mm-hmm. as, part of, as part of any kind of court proceeding or the labor board, for that matter, uh, credibility matters, uh, right? Your evidence, your verbal evidence matters, and a judge or a court or an administrative tribunal will weigh how believable you are or aren't. So hopefully, Anthony, your friend in giving evidence comes across as reasonable, comes across as credible. And if the court, if the OLRB ultimately uh, agrees and is convinced by the fact that he never agreed to anything, he will be successful in his claim. I think the employer probably has an uphill battle here because they will need to show some sort of evidence. Uh, Anthony, but that verbal evidence will matter a lot, particularly when there's no documentary evidence in a case. What people say and how they come across and, again, how credible they are matters very much. Anthony, appreciate the call, man. i got to roll on to the next one. If any other questions your friend has going forward, you can always reach out to Alex, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. 
Got uh, Pete standing by. Hi, Pete. Good evening. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, pal. What's on your mind? Question to ask the lawyer there. Uh, my employer has me sign a form beginning of the year stating he will not guarantee, he or she will not guarantee me 40 hours of work. Um, I want to know if that's something legitimate as well as do I, if it is, do I guarantee them 40 hours of work? It is classified as a full-time job. And what is the stoppage rule of work? Like if I do 40 hours of work a week, do I have the right to refuse to work anymore? Yeah, really good questions, uh, Pete. So uh, if your employer has had you sign something saying they're not guaranteeing you 40 hours, I mean, really all they're trying to do there is to set expectations that, you know, things will be flexible to a degree and that they can't guarantee 40 hours of work every single week. Now, I, I think that leaves things very much open-ended in that respect. So I think what you should do as an employee in the circumstances is get a sense, and you know you can ask outright, certainly, well, what the range of hours is likely going to be here. If it's 35 to 40, well, I'd say that's, you know, that's pretty standard and pretty reasonable for full time, and that's all good. Or if it's, you know, 37 to 40, then that then that's great. You know, if your employer responds and says, well, it might be anywhere between 20 and 40 hours, and your expectation is that this would be a full-time job close to, if not at 40 hours, well, now we have a problem, right? Because now you're being told that you might be working half of that sometimes, and that might not be something that you're particularly comfortable with or that you're prepared to accept. The same works the other way. Uh, Pete, if your employer is asking you to work more than 40 hours, listen, they need your consent. It's really as simple as that. They can't force you to work more than 40 hours, uh, right? If they ask and you agree, great, we have a deal. We have an agreement, right? But you don't have to necessarily agree to work more than 40 hours. My advice there would be, listen, be flexible, uh, right? It takes two to tango. So sometimes you got to give and sometimes you could take, but there has to be even if there's nothing necessarily in writing, there has to be some sort of expectation here of what the rules of the game are going to be, at least roughly speaking, at least approximately. Do you know, Pete, what kind of the minimum bar might be there in terms of your hours? Is this, you know, is this a job that could be anywhere between uh, 10 and 40 hours? Is it that kind of work? No, actually not. Uh, as of late, we're expected to do, uh, we're asked a lot more to do more than 40 hours a week. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's always 40 hours a week. Another question, do I have to sign that form? Like, do I have to consent to that? Because it feels like we're obligated to sign that form beginning of the year. And it's like, well, how about if I don't consent to that? How about if I say I, yeah, I, fair I enough. don't consent to that? Am I then, can I be removed or terminated from my place of employment? How long have you been with this employer, Pete? Uh, over 10 years. Okay. Is this the first time you've been asked to sign something like that? Uh, it's general. So it's not just one person. There's more than one person. And no, it hasn't sure. been the first time. Okay. So the concern here, Pete, is that by asking you to sign something like that, uh, they are trying to change your terms of employment and give themselves as the employer the flexibility to manipulate your hours, Right. Uh, Now, in a situation where it's busy, uh, right, and there's plenty of work to do, and there's certainly 40 hours plus of work to do, listen, again, I I don't think there's a major issue uh, there. But the problem is once that work perhaps slows down, 
you signing this document allows them to cut your hours. And I think that's a problem because without signing that document, that is potentially what's called a constructive dismissal. Meaning if your employer reduces your hours significantly and correspondingly reduces your pay significantly if you're being paid by the hour, right, then that could be basically a breach of contract situation. It could be a situation where you don't want to accept that change. You might actually want to treat that change as a termination. So I think your instincts are right here, Pete. I think certainly before signing a document like that and potentially giving your employer the the option, the right and the flexibility to just manipulate your hours however they like, right? And without your consent, at the very least, Pete, you should, you know, give me a call off air. Let's have a chat off air. Let's review the document together, uh, right? And decide whether it's actually worth signing or not. As it stands right now, based on what you said, I have some concerns, uh, right? Based on what you've described, I think you might be giving your employer too much power, too much, again, flexibility on their end if you sign that document. It may even have some additional terms there that, that might affect your employment negatively and take away some rights and entitlements that, that you have. So ask for some additional time from your employer, Pete. Say, say, you know, I need a little bit, a few more days to kind of consider my options here and decide, you know, if I, if I want to sign or not and give us a call at the office. Let's have a chat. Happy to review the document for you. Let's figure out what the best kind of road is moving forward, what your best option is moving forward. Sometimes it's best to simply respond back and say, you know what, I'm not comfortable signing this document and leaving it at that. To dismiss you or terminate you if you do not sign, though? Yeah, well, listen, an employer always has that option, uh, uh, Pete. I mean, regardless of whether they're asking you to sign something or not, do keep in mind. And and this is the case, of course, for private sector. In other words, non-unionized employees. Is your employment unionized? No, no. It's private sector. No, I suspect. Yeah, I suspected not. So, it, listen, in that kind of situation, Pete, again, regardless of, of this issue you're dealing with, your employer could turn around tomorrow and say, you know what, it's not working out. We're letting you go. Uh, it's what we call a without cause termination. Now, your employer would certainly owe you severance in the circumstances. Even if you refuse to sign the document, Pete, and they decided to let you go in response, they would undoubtedly owe you severance based on your yeah. age, position, and years of service. If you've been with them for 10 plus years, your severance entitlements are going to be significant. Uh, right? So don't get me wrong. That is a factor to consider. If you are if you are very, very happy in your job and you want to keep it at all costs, that's a factor you've got to consider. But you have to also consider the other side of that equation, which is that you can sign that document because you're desperate to keep your job. But two months from now, they might be able to switch you to 20 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week and cut your pay in half. And then a month from then, they can let you go. And when they're calculating your severance, they would only be calculating at 20 hours a week, not 40. Right, so there's some repercussions regard, there. In that regards, do I have to guarantee them 40 hours a week? Can I change those rules if, if I'm signing off on it, or is all the power in their favor? If they say, well, we need you to do 40 hours, well, no, I'm going to do 20. Like, you're not guaranteeing me 40 hours. Why do I got to guarantee you 40 hours? Yeah, from from your perspective as the employee, uh, uh, Pete, what matters is uh, what the status quo has been in terms of your relationship with your employer, uh, and okay. also if anything has changed in a significant way. So, in other words, if you've always worked kind of more or less forty hours, and maybe you do an extra hour here or there, but you've never done excessive overtime, 
uh, uh, right, and that's always been the case, then you're allowed to stick to, you know, those those hours. But if you've worked overtime in the past, and it's kind of it's almost an accepted term of your employment that when it's busy, you can work as much as I don't know whatever the number is, fifty hours, sixty hours, whatever it whatever it might be. Of course, with your consent, with your agreement. Well, then it's hard to it's hard to pull away from that. Pete, at least without good reason, if you see what I mean. You know, if your family life has changed or there's been something significant in your personal life that means that you cannot work those hours anymore, you know, that could be that could be reason enough. But to simply say, well, if you're gonna you know, if you're asking me to sign this, then I'm not working more than forty hours a week, listen, it doesn't really make make a huge amount of sense. Okay. Makes sense. But like Pete, I said, thanks. Pete. Yeah, like I said, Pete, before you sign that document, give us a call. Let's have a chat. Let's make sure you're signing something that that's either appropriate or if it's not appropriate, let's find a way to move forward. I wouldn't want you signing it without without having it reviewed by an employment lawyer first. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be an issue, Alex. I think he will be chiming in later on for sure. And we are going to get to a bunch of stuff, but our phone calls went uh, wall to wall that we had. So I uh, appreciate you calling in. We're going to wrap it up. For, we're back in tomorrow, though. So uh, whatever questions you didn't get on air answered on email, we'll pick them back up tomorrow at 6.30. In the meantime, you always got time to reach out to Alex and his team. Uh, just like he did there, he can do f- uh, for you privately in a phone call. And the phone number for that is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred again one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. You prefer the email? You can do that. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And for any other matters, and you want to learn more about what we talk about each night here on air, go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca and the severance calculator, which you should try anyway, even if you're not, uh, you know, looking at a severance offer in front of you today. Take that out for a spin, see what your severance would be. It takes about 30 seconds to use that tool. Again, free and anonymous and available at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you tomorrow, 6.30, next edition of the Employment Law Show. Enjoy your night.